that we must realize and things that we must commit ourselves to if we're ever going to make a difference. If we're going to make a difference in our families, if we're going to make a difference with our friends, if we're going to make a difference in our our job place, if we're going to make a difference in our church, if we're going to make a difference in our community, uh, all of these things, these are things that we've been looking at that we must understand and we must realize and we must commit ourselves to if we're going to do what God has called us to do. We have to be willing to put everything else above God. You see, following Christ, it's a serious responsibility. Following Christ, is, it's more than just, just saying, God, forgive me, but it's an everyday process, becoming a disciple. It's something not to be taken lightly. So in order to do that, we looked at the first week that we must understand that we've been invited into God's family. Regardless of your past, regardless of your, your mistakes, how many people have ever made a mistake? Regardless of the situation that you find yourself in right now, you're invited into his family. Jesus was, was always going to, Jesus was always attracting those people who others rejected. He was always asking them to take the next step. He was always encouraging them to join his family. And so as we sit here this morning, I want you to know that no matter anything that's going on in your life, God has invited you to be part of his family. Then we talked about how that we are invaluable. We're invaluable to the kingdom. We play a role in God's plan. The enemy wants you to believe that you aren't important. The enemy wants you to believe that if you weren't here, that it would not matter. But Paul attacked this thinking head on when he compared the body of Christ to the human body. And how that every part of the human body has a purpose. Every part of the human body has a function. And when it's not functionally correctly, the body suffers. And the same thing is said in the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. We all have a part. And when we aren't doing our part, the kingdom of God suffers. Last week, we unpacked the idea that we are an influencer. And when I originally asked the question, how many believe that you're an influencer? Uh, very few people raised your hand. But then we begin to look at it and, and discuss how that, that Jesus declared that if we're a follower of him, that we are the salt of the earth and that we are the light of the world. We have an ability to influence our world. Having your life all together is not a prerequisite to influencing someone for Christ. Today we want to close out this series by looking at the word invested. Invested. Now I think that we all can agree that we're invested in something. Now for me, I am a, a, a diehard WVU fan. And there's many seasons for football that I will buy season tickets. Now, I get the cheapest package I can get, but I, I buy tickets. And, and so for six Saturdays, sometimes seven, I invest my money to travel to Morgantown to watch a football game. Uh, many times, Christy will, will go with me, and it's just a, a time that we can get away. It's, it's sort of become just a sort of a tradition 
So those are six or seven Saturdays in the fall that I'm unavailable. If people want to get married during the fall and they approach me about doing the wedding, I'll handle them, I hand them a football schedule. And I say, here are the home dates. If you want me to do it, if you want me to be there, you need to work around it. Now, you think I'm kidding. Maybe you don't, because I'm not. There's some people here that would testify to it. But here we are. I'm invested in this. And it doesn't matter if it's 105 degrees for a late August game, or if it's five degrees for a, a, a late November game, I'm there. Why? Because I'm invested. I've spent my money to do something that I like to do. Now, you might not be, a, you, you're sitting there thinking, well, that's just crazy. You might not be a sports person. I understand that. But maybe this will hit home. Well, what, if you drive a car that you have very little investment in, it's just one of those, it will get me where I'm going. It's one of those, I'm going to drive it until the tires fall off. When people get in your car, it's like, I don't care. You can eat, you can drink, you can leave a cheeseburger on the floorboard. I don't care. Because you have, you're not invested into it. When you go to the mall, you'll park anywhere that you can squeeze in, even if you have to climb out the trunk. You don't care. Now, if you get a new car, that all changes. Yeah, I mean, you make people take their shoes off before they get in. You wrap them in bubble wrap. I mean, there's no breathing in the car, much less eating or drinking. And you'll park three miles away from the door and take up two or three parking spaces just to make sure that nobody bangs your door when they get out or hits it with a shopping buggy. Why is that? It's because you have an investment in that car. So the reality is this. We all are invested in something. If you look at and examine your life, we're all invested in something. But the problem is, is that many of us are investing in things that don't last. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 says, Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. You see, the things that many of us are concerned about, they will not last. I mean, in the book of Acts, Paul was, even, was quoting Jesus and he said, remember, it's more blessed to give than receive. Now listen, I know that this is a touchy subject because the prosperity gospel has made it hard to talk about. Because they perverted the subject. I've been guilty of, of avoiding the subject because of the negative connotation that it brings. And if you're a guest today, or you haven't been attending Gateway very long, don't worry. This church is not about trying to manipulate you into giving. When we take the tithes and, and the offering, we're not going to get up and tell a sad story and, and play on your emotions. Because we believe that when you get the revelation of giving, that that's all it takes. But I do believe that, that investing in the kingdom is extremely important. I do believe that, that there's many people who would love to give more. 
But they believe they can't because they don't have enough. So we're going to talk about that mentality. And we're going to call it the not enough mentality. And you think, well, when I have more, I'll give more. Now, I'm confessing to you as your pastor. I've been there. I've been there. Sometimes it is very difficult to get away from the not enough mentality. Why is that? Because we all live out of fear. The what ifs. We all believe, hey, we, we need more. So we try to, to accumulate more and, and save for a rainy day. And, but, but Jesus tells a parable in the, the book of Luke that talks about this mentality. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he says, Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So here we are, and and Jesus is telling this parable. And he's talking about just this. You see, we have the the problem in our life that, that we want to keep. We want to guard We want to to protect. We want to to store. But I've shared with those close to me that in order for us to move forward as a church, that we have to start transforming this kind of theology. We have to start transforming this kind of mentality. We need to, to get to a more than enough mentality. We need to to begin to acknowledge that God owns everything. We need to acknowledge that He is my provider, that He loves to bless His children, that He is more than enough, and that when when we put His kingdom first, He'll take care of everything else. When we put His kingdom first, He'll take care of everything else. And we see this principle play out in in a very familiar passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 9. Now, in this story, Jesus is preaching to what was probably the largest crowd that he had ever spoken to. Now, if you look in your Bible or look on your app, uh, most of the time it will say, Jesus feeds the 5,000. But scholars will tell you that that was only counting the men. They estimated this crowd was likely somewhere between 15,000 and 20,000 people in size. So Jesus is here, and he's preaching. Now, apparently, he had been preaching quite a long time. Luke chapter 9, verse 12 puts it this way. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. Another translation puts it, as the day wore on. Now, in this 
verse. I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny how that the disciples tried to put this on everyone else. They tried to put it on everyone else. They said, Jesus, the people are hungry. Now, I'm not convinced that maybe it was the disciples. They, they may not have been as concerned about the, the other 15 or 20,000 as they were about themselves. I, I mean, I know the kind of looks that I get when, when I go a little bit past 12. And I started getting those uh, not just hungry looks, but those hangry looks. I mean, I'm, I look into to, to some, some hangry people. And some of you had enough Mountain Dew cake during Common Grounds to last you all day. Now, if you don't know about Common Grounds or, or Mountain Dew cake, uh, the secret is out now. But so here we are. The, the disciples get together and they say, listen, somebody's got, to, somebody's got to tell him to land the plane. Somebody's got to tell him to, to be quiet. I mean, it's been great, but we, but we need to get on with the, with the show. We're hungry. They're probably afraid that when we talked about uh, that when Jesus came to the well, we talked about this in one of the previous weeks, how that when he came to the well and they finally brought him food, Jesus looked at them and said, I'm not hungry. And they thought, what in the world's going on? How are you not hungry? And, and he gave them the speech about, you know, uh, my food is to do the work of the Father. So they, they were probably remembering that speech. So they were probably doing rock, paper, scissors to figure out who was going to talk to Jesus and give and deliver this message. So they, they use the, we're concerned about them. So they go to Jesus and they tell them their concerns. Now it sort of backfired on them. Because what happens next is Jesus looks at them and he said, okay, you feed them. You feed them. So now here they're thinking, man, we were just trying to get us some food. And now he's telling us to, to feed these people with a, a snack pack from Captain D's. I mean, their response was probably exactly what ours would have been. Jesus, we don't have enough to do what you're asking us to do. I mean, we've got five loaves and, and two fish. There's 15, 20,000 people out here. We don't have enough. And in verse 16, Jesus says this. Jesus said, you tell them to sit down. And it says, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the, to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So here we have this story, and, and so they, they, they're looking at what, with their eyes, what Jesus has asked them to do. And they say, it's not possible. And Jesus said, okay. So Jesus took what they had, and he blessed it. He blessed what they had in their possession. And then it says the disciples gave it they started to hand it out. So Jesus blessed it. The disciples gave it out. And as they gave, God continued to multiply what they were in need of. Did you catch that? Jesus took what they had. He blessed it. The disciples started to give it out. 
And God made sure that they had enough. Now, something that I had never, ever thought of before, but as I was studying for this, they had 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? There were 12. So I begin to think about that. 12 baskets, 12 disciples, they begin to pick it up. There was enough that each one of the disciples could take a doggy bag home. They could carry it with them. Why was that? Could God be reminding them that God can turn your not enough into more than enough? They had looked at what they thought wasn't enough, but after God multiplied it, they had a reminder. They had something they could take with them. You see, the disciples were looking at things with their natural eyes. They were looking at what they needed, what they thought that they needed, They weren't taking into account who was with them. They weren't taking into account that God said he is more than enough. They weren't taking into account when he said, I am Jehovah Jireh, which means I will provide. They weren't taking it into account. But they took what they had. Jesus blessed it. And they just began to give. And they begin to give. And they kept giving. And they kept giving. And they kept giving. 15,000, 20,000 people. Five loaves. Two fish. Jesus, we don't have enough. Jesus said, just obey me. Just obey me. Just do what I tell you to do. Just watch me perform this miracle. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says this. And the same God, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The same God who takes care of me. Have you ever been in a situation that you had absolutely no idea how things were going to work out? Have you ever been in a situation where you're looking at and you say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. And you're worrying, and you have fear. And it's hard to trust God. When these disciples looked at this situation, it was extremely hard for them to see, even though they had been walking with Jesus, even though they had seen him do things and work miracles, it was so hard for them to understand what was about to happen. So what are you saying, Pastor? What are you saying? Should I not worry about taking care of my family? Should I just give everything that I have to the church? 
It's not what I'm saying at all. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I am suggesting is, is that we just start thinking about our investments. We start thinking about investing in things that in the end will matter. I'm suggesting that we become generous givers. Not just with our money, but with our life. With our life. With our time. With the things in, in our life that, that are precious to us. I mean, I can imagine these disciples, they had the five loaves and the two fish. It probably would have been very easy for them just to not to worry about anything else and just say, hey, you know, we're going to, us and, the, and this boy here, we're going to split this. It'll be enough to, to allow us to get by. It'll be enough to, to allow us to, to just wait until we can get somewhere we, where we can get some food. But they stepped out in faith. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that the pressure the disciples were probably under? Because, you know, you ever been to a, a, a church dinner and they run out of mashed potatoes? Doesn't happen, doesn't happen around here, I can promise. But they were probably under some pressure because, you know, the, the, the first few in line, they knew they were going to get food. But then as they began to see it multiply, it became a lot easier. Here, take as much as you want. Here. We're not going to have to ration your portions. Take what, what you need. And I believe that's the point that God wants us to get to with him. Not reluctantly giving. But getting a revelation that says, you know what? My God is more than enough. I want to invest into. You know, the first three weeks, we, we talked about things that God had promised that, that we are. If you're just coming in on the end of this series, go back and watch the first three. You'll feel a lot better. Because today is talking about something that we must do. Something that he's called us to. Investing. Putting God first. Knowing that he can do more with what is left than we can do with the entire amount. I've heard story after story after story of God's provision in people's lives. I've experienced it in mine. And not too long ago, someone that I'm very close to sent me a message and said, Listen, I, I took a step of faith today. I gave tithes. And they said, looking at it with my human eyes, I, I honestly, I didn't have it to give. But I'm believing. And within the next week or so, I received a message from that same person. He said, remember when I, when I told you a few weeks ago that I, that I was stepping out in faith? That it was going to make things a little tight? And he said, I, I checked the bank account this morning. And there was a direct deposit that I was expecting 
But it ended up being more than what I thought it was going to be. And the difference was more than I invested into the kingdom of God. Now listen, as I said, I'm not saying we give to get. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that that we start practicing the principle to seek first the kingdom of God. To give first to the kingdom of God. And to allow him to bless us. To use us. To bless our families. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place I can find that, that God said, put me to the test. It's the only place that I can find that he said, let me prove it to you. Verse 11 goes on to say, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's army. God said, try it. Prove me. He said, I'll provide. I'll provide. Here's the image I want to to leave you with today. It's an image that that when we created and planted this church 13 years ago, that we've been determined to, to live by. God gives to us And when God gives to us, in order for us to receive that, our hands have to be open. I mean, if your hands are closed, you can't take something someone's giving to you. So our hands are open. Now, when we get and God gives to us, we have two choices once we receive it. We can close our hands and hold it tightly to us so that it can never be pried away. You ever had a kid take something that that they weren't supposed to have and they grasp it in that hand and they they wrap it up like this and they they hold on to it and they clench their fist and and they grit their teeth and there's nothing you can do to pry it away from them except break their fingers or, you know, not on purpose. Or, When it's given to us, we just leave our hands open. We just leave our hands open. Because when our hands are open, we can freely give. We can freely give to others. And as a church, we have done a lot of giving in our 13 years. Whether it's at Christmas time, You guys are so generous. Back to school. Thanksgiving. Missions to the homeless. We've, in in 13 years, we've never had a child who wanted to go to youth camp that couldn't afford it not be able to go. 
And I'm going to tell you that in there are moments that we're not giving out of our abundance. There are moments that, that we're not giving out of our abundance just because we have extra. There's times that, that especially in the beginning, that, that when we gave, it honestly looked like that we didn't have it to give. But God was always faithful. You see, we're not talking about an amount. We're not talking about, we're talking about a principle. We're talking about a, a principle. And because we've been willing to do that as a church, I believe that the, God has proved himself to us, just like he declared he would. I mean, you look around this campus, and you look at this building and the house next door and almost two acres of land that God has basically just laid in our laps. And when I begin to, to talk to other pastors and, and people that they can't believe, they can't believe what God has done for us here. But it didn't happen by accident. With everything that is in me, I believe that it's because of the principle that we said, you know what? We're going to do ministry. Even when it looks like that it's going to make things tight, we're still going to put God first. We're still going to put his kingdom first. We're still going to keep doing what we need to do. We're still going to keep investing into the kingdom. We're going to keep giving out of love. We're going to stay focused on ministry. And I know that today is, is, is a very different type of message. And if I'm being honest, I've fought God. You ever fight God? You ever had a, just had a conversation with him? God, I really don't want to do that. He always wins. Even if you don't give in, he's still going to win. And I know today's been completely different. And, and it's, it's always been a running joke around here that any time that, that, that when we bring a message on giving or that uh, I always let one of the associates preach it. I looked at him today and I said, listen, I'm not making you do this. But it's because God has begun to speak to me in my life. I said, you know what? Open up your hands. Open up your hands. Let me prove that I can do more with what's left than you can do with everything. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray. And what we're going to pray is, is that God will help us individually and as a church to put him above everything else. That he's going to help us learn to trust him. To trust him. And so as we pray, 
if it's your desire to trust Him, even when it looks as if there's no way, He'll make a way. Father, I come before you right now, and God, you see every person in this auditorium. God, you see our hearts. God, I believe and I know, God, that you have put us together here as a group of people with a like mind and a like vision. And God, I pray that you will help us. God, that you'll help us to trust you. God, just as those disciples had to learn that day, God, help us. Help us. God, let us live life with our hands open. God, let us put you first in everything. God, allow us to get the revelation, to understand. God, I know you're not concerned about an amount. God, you just want our hearts. God, you want us to put you first. And God, I pray that as we continue to do that as a church, God, let us be even more generous than we have ever been. God, allow us to let you bless what you've given us and allow it to be multiplied. Because God, we know there's a lost and a dying community around this church that need to hear that you love them. God, they need to see that we love them. God, I look so forward to what you're going to do in our lives. God, what you're going to do in this year and the years to come. God, help us, help us to develop a more than enough mentality. God, I thank you for being my provider. I thank you. I praise you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen.